Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here and once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, Agency Owner? If you're new here, I've got a free ebook on how to scale your business to multiple six and even seven figures by overcoming your dependency on referrals, doubling your profit per project, and removing yourself as the main bottleneck in your business. All you have to do is DM me the word gift on Facebook at Brent Weaver. That's facebook.com slash Brent Weaver, and I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in business and life. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver, and today we're hanging out with Kelly Campbell. She is an agency transformation coach based in New York. She's the former owner of a digital agency for 14 years. She helps creative media and tech leaders transform life and agency. She's a been a keynote at many agency-related conferences She's a Forbes Business Council member. She's also been a consultant for Facebook and NASA. Kelly, welcome to the program. Brent, thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. So Kelly, you had an agency for 14 years. Now you're helping other agencies. It's very similar to what we do here at YouGurus, but I'd love to get a little bit of your backstory. What kind of first attracted you to running an agency, being involved in an agency. I find that some people kind of accidentally fall into it because they've got like a skill. Some people are very strategic about how they come into the agency world. What's What's been your experience? Yeah, so I would say that um, it, it wasn't necessarily born out of strategy for me. It was more that I was working in corporate America right out of school and noticed a ton of inefficiency in the company companies that I was working for too in a very short time. And I was like, I don't know. I feel like I could do this. Like I could probably do this and I could probably do it a little bit better than these guys are doing it. So I think it kind of came from this like idea that, um, you know, I was like a young, invincible, like didn't know any better kind of kid and um, just super driven. And I didn't really know any better. So I feel like I groped my way along for the first seven years of my agency. Um, That's kind of how I like to describe it. I I don't know if I've ever... Heard, I, I can imagine in my mind, because I, I feel like I had a very similar journey that first like seven, eight years, kind of figuring stuff out on my own. Like, I don't know if that yeah. classifies as groped my way along, but uh, <laughs> definitely an interesting uh, uh, descriptor of that. Did you, what, what transitioned you from groped to not groped along? <laughs> um, I think I started figuring out the things that were working and the things that weren't working. Um, you get sobered real quick when you hire your first employee, right? Like your first full-time W-2 employee. You start realizing that you're not there as a practitioner anymore. Now you're having to wear the managerial hat and the new business development hat and you know the putting out the client fires hat. So yeah, it was uh, it was just one of those situations where I really like, I guess I would say I took stock of what was working, what wasn't working and made those changes. Right. And and I guess I would say I was open to the fact that like, oh my God, I could be wrong. Right. <laughs> um, I, I could make assumptions, but I could also be wrong. And I think that was a, a pretty, it wasn't like a particular moment when that light switch happened. But I think over the course of that, the first half of owning the agency, I noticed that more and more. What was 
for, for you, what was the catalyst to actually going from kind of zero employees to one? I mean, I remember for my, myself, like it, it was that um, I, I was I didn't have enough time to actually do design well. Like I was, it was really yes. inconsistent. Like sometimes I'd hit the mark with a client. Sometimes I wouldn't, I wasn't a trained designer. And so finally I said, you know what, it's probably best if we bring somebody else in to do this. Uh, but what was the the driver for you to, to hire your first team member? Yeah, I think for me, it was like, I had tried to do it all myself. Clearly that doesn't work for anybody. You can't, you, you just burn out like, you know, within a year, if you try to do everything. Then I tried to outsource some of the actual development. We did like website design development, search engine optimization early on, branding, stuff like that. So I tried to outsource the development and without knowing any better, I I used sort of like an offshore team. So my main contact was here in the States, but there was still a little bit of a language barrier and all of the work was being done in China and, and you know, no knock on that, but but the team that this individual was using um, the work just wasn't good. And for me, it was more like a reputation issue. You know, I don't want to put my name behind something that um, is going to be buggy or they're, you know, whatever the issues were, a late delivery because of time difference and whatnot. So um, I realized that I couldn't keep going in that same direction. And so I made the first hire and that was it was frightening. It was scary. I was like, I, I'm responsible for like my own salary and I'm fine but now I'm responsible for someone else's. And um, I guess it's the same way as like when you buy your first house and you make your first mortgage payment, it's like the scariest thing in the world. Um, But then you make the first payment, you make the first payroll and you're like, oh, okay, there's a cadence to this and and I can do it. Yeah, you're like, I I paid it and nobody died and we're okay. Maybe, uh, (laughs) and and I totally understand that. So what was your, so the first seat you hired was a developer? The first seat I, I hired was a hybrid designer developer. Gotcha. Yeah. You mentioned earlier kind of going from practitioner to now your manager and you've got this additional business development responsibility or maybe capacity. Mm-hmm. What were some of the, your, your first challenges going from practitioner to manager in particular? Because I think that that's something that a lot of us don't realize is a thing that we just think, oh, we're yeah. going to bring somebody into our business and we're going to like throw some stuff at them, like a project brief and be like, Oh, go, go do this. Right. But we, we fail to realize that people have to be managed. What were some of your experiences managing your first team member? Yeah. My first team member was great. He had like a super positive outlook. Um, he was super flexible, but I think what I, my experience with him was that I felt like I had to keep him busy. Right. As opposed to like, bringing him into the fold, bringing him into the conversations, having him have direct relationships with the clients um, so that I I wasn't actually taking on all of that myself. I mean, it's kind of hard to remember because that was so long ago. I mean, I sold the agency in 2016. So you're going back now, you know, almost five years. And then there was seven years prior to that. So you're um, <laughs> even even longer than that. It's it's kind of hard to remember, but yeah, I just feel like I I felt like I had to know all of the answers and that I had to put things on his plate to make sure that he was you know kind of um, at capacity or as billable as possible. And in retrospect, obviously, that's not at all what the job of a manager is. What what is the job of a manager? And the job of a manager is the job of any leader. It's to be an active participant in the growth of the people that that they lead, to empower them, to nourish them, to support them in any way that's going to get them to think more critically, to 
show up to, to, you know, be their best selves, to hone their skills, uh, hard and soft skills. I mean, there's, we could go on for hours about what the job of a leader is. That's my favorite thing to talk about. (laughs) And uh, I do want to get to that. You did say something that I think is really telling. And I think it's actually a, a mistake. I don't know if it's a mistake. It's a pitfall. It's something that I think does hold people back, which is having team members, especially early on and being scared like crazy to let other people talk to your customers and clients. I mean, whether it goes back to that reputation, right? Yeah. The reputation. Will they have, will they understand everything that I've already sold and promised to this client? Uh, What if they say something that we, you know, can do that we really can't do? What if they, you know, say yes to something that we've clearly said that we're not going to do? Or what? what if they, what if they, um, I mean, this was more my fear because I was more interested in like the, the perspective or the perception of the client. Like what if this person in an interaction with the client said something that really clearly made it, that made it clear to that client that we didn't actually know their business as well as the client thought we did right? Like how can you promote our business or market our business if you don't know it? If you're asking me questions that clearly show that you do not understand what we do, like that was a fear of mine for sure. Hey, what's up agency owners? I want to tell you about an exciting new software product that is really gaining traction in the digital agency world. It's an all-in-one marketing and sales platform and it's built specifically for agencies. Not only will it help you save money by replacing all of your old software tools, it creates a whole new revenue stream for your agency, and you can white label it, add your branding, and sell it as your own software product. That's why hundreds of agencies have already made the switch from Infusionsoft, Marketo, and ActiveCampaign. You can get more info and access their unlimited agency plan for just $2.97 a month or start your free trial over at IgniteYourAgency.com. That's IgniteYourAgency.com. I remember early on, I actually told, we, we had this like moment where I, I, one of the things that I said, I quote unquote owned in the business was all client communication, which I don't know what problem had sparked that. Maybe somebody <laughs> said something like to a client that was, that should not have said, uh, but we just, we funneled it all through my desk. And I think at the time I was very focused on sales and business development, which is why mm-hmm. I kind of wanted that. I wanted to be able to grow, you know, the book of business with clients, but you know, in hindsight, that meant like all support requests, all training, <laughs> all project management related questions, like everything had a funnel through my desk. And it was like, and it didn't last very long. Obviously, I no. kind of burnt out on having that. But I think it was like this idea of like, I'm scared to have team members communicate directly. And one of the things that I realized once we kind of opened that up and let our team just work directly with people was, I mean, first of all, it was extraordinarily freeing for me. Uh, mm-hmm. assuming you've got the right people on your team. But second of all, I realized that the people that I had around me were actually a, a awesome and amazing. And they started developing relationships with clients and it like decentralized the whole thing. And it was like, wow, that's a lot less pressure on me. Like other people can call clients and work out issues without me ever having to be involved. And that always felt really good. Yeah. Let's talk about leadership. Uh, I know this is a topic that you're um, that you are uh, passionate about. Uh, I think that you're writing a book in process, maybe. I am. uh, Around leadership. I personally think this is an undercovered topic in the agency world. I think a lot of us talk about, we talk about how to grow our agencies. We talk about how to get other people to do work, like delegate and things like that. And I think a lot of it does come back to leadership around, you know, vision and and plan and how 
how to actually be a, a leader within your business. But I think a lot of us do come from that practitioner background. Mm-hmm. What are some things that are like low hanging fruit for agency owners to start thinking about in terms of leveling up their ability to lead, whether they have one employee or 10 or a hundred? Yeah. I, you know, it's funny that you use the term low hanging fruit. I don't know that I would categorize this necessarily as low hanging fruit because I don't know that there is low hanging fruit in the context of leadership. I think it leadership really, I mean, good, effective leadership, conscious leadership is really all comes down to like self-awareness right? So this is actually not about your team or your people. It's more of like, how well do you know yourself? How well do you trust yourself? Because you are essentially the example in front of everyone else. Like if you don't trust yourself, how do you expect other people to trust you, right? Especially on your team. So I think that is number one. Um, And a a lot of people gloss over things like that when I talk about, you know, trusting yourself or self-care, right? We're, we're all guilty of it. I was the first person to arrive in my office when I had my agency. I was the last person to leave. And I almost wore that like a badge, like a badge of honor. You know, um, I spent, I will, I will say something very vulnerable here and like almost embarrassing, but I spent six years coming into the office every single Saturday. And I spent about five hours cleaning the entire office. Yeah. Why did I do that? I could have hired a cleaning company, right? But for me, it felt like I needed to like pay my dues. I, for me, it was so important to not be um, above or greater than the people on my team. Like I almost like, I don't know, there was something about it that I needed to embody being in the trenches. It seems like a very strange thing in retrospect, but you know, eventually I did hire a cleaning company and it was... (laughs) It was great. I paid them $200 and I was the happiest person in the world. Anyway, you know, there was something about that for me that I needed something to ground me. And this whole idea that the leader has to know all of the answers, the leader, you know, has to bear all of the pressure, all of the responsibility. I don't actually think that that's true, right? I think that there, there can be shared responsibility. There can be certainly has to be different perspective with effective leadership. So, you know, at the end of the day, for me, the the one thing that I will say that came pretty naturally to me was the idea that I really was there for the success of my people. And in writing this book, um, thank you for mentioning that, in writing this book, I actually went back to my all of my previous employees And I said, hey, I've got these five questions. I'm in the midst of writing this book. Will you answer some of these leadership questions? Like, what was your experience with with me as a leader? Did I ever, did did your, do you feel like your voice mattered? Did you feel like I still had a lot to learn? Or did you feel like I was a good leader? Like there were a bunch of questions inside of that. And as a reflective exercise, what that taught me was it came very naturally to me to make sure that all of those people knew that I valued them. And at the end of all of it, when I went to sell the agency, the way that that paid dividends for me was they all said, you you do what you have to do when you go to sell this company. You have bent over backwards. You have supported us. You have done everything that you possibly could to make sure that we are taken care of. We will find new jobs. We will probably make even more money. We will be fine. But like you have to make the decision that's right for you. And that 
was, I mean, it really, it was very moving, but it showed me that that aspect of leadership in terms of being there for the growth of my people. Yeah. And it, it just, it was who I truly was. And it took me a long time to figure out that that was actually kind of like a superpower or a strength of mine. So I don't know if that answers your question, but it was, uh, I mean, I think it gives a really clear example of what you meant by self-awareness. I mean, not, not only just be being in terms of self-care and, and taking care of, you know, the, making sure that you're, you're good, you're healthy. I mean, obviously, if you're burnt out as a leader, that's not going to serve anybody. Yeah. But, but also giving a very concrete example of how to become more self-aware as a leader by interviewing your team. Now, you mentioned you had five questions that you asked the team, but even just that high level, like without the specific questions of saying, hey, team, what do you think about me as a leader? I think a lot of people would be a little bit uneasy uh, with that. I mean, just like asking anybody that you're in a relationship with to give you critical feedback. Well, that's interesting that you say that because the way that I do agency growth consulting engagements is that I start every single one of those engagements with an intake And that intake is literally an interview, 30 to 45 minutes with every single person on the team, regardless of the size of the team. Um, I think I did it one time with a a staff of 95 people, which which is crazy. But anyway, there were 12 questions. So you go and you interview staff in the agency. Everybody from the CEO down to the summer intern. I want to know what everybody's thoughts and feelings are about these particular set of 10 or 12 questions. And one of the questions is... Um, and the leadership team sees the questions first, right? Because I have to make sure that they're HR compliant. But one of the questions is, what do you think the leadership team does really well? And what are some suggestions that you could offer for improvement? And the leaders that I work with sign off on that question. So that's, you know, talk about like wanting that feedback. I think if you want that feedback and you're open and curious to that feedback, that tells me that you're self-aware. And, and you, I, I want to hear, I don't know if you're able to give us some examples of some of the suggestions, because I feel like a lot of times people, and I think it's different now where in-person offices this year or last year kind of got a large disruption. But I know when we had our brick and mortar agency, the things that we thought about of how to improve you know, some of the office and the culture, I mean, a lot of times the initial ideas that you think people want are kind of surface level, like having you know, a well-stocked break room uh, kind of thing. Like having, oh um, having a Wii. I think we, we spent like, one day I, like, I looked up and I'm like, why is everybody playing Wii all the time? And I'm like, oh yeah, we bought a freaking Wii. And, you know, it was like, yeah, it's great for culture, like at some level, but like you can't like spend your afternoon Wii bowling, right? It was just, but, but again, like yeah. we thought, oh, hey, this will be great for team camaraderie. I was... I'm laughing because I was in exactly the same place. My break room was like the, I mean, I would have loved to be an employee in my company. Every single specific snack or beverage that these people wanted, like they got, they made the grocery list every week. Um, there were beanbag chairs everywhere. Like it, we had, we had like football outings and ice skate rink, ice skating outings and you name it, like volunteer efforts. What I thought, was important to them. It was as an assumption, but not as important as some of the things that I hear from pe- you know people at other agencies that I'm interviewing in these intakes. A lot of them think much more strategically about the business than you would ever give them credit for. That's that's what I will say. 
some of the, to answer your question, um, some of them say, I think leadership takes on too much business that is non-ideal. I think that they're they're taking on business that, you know, isn't really right for us, whether it's from a service perspective or from like a client personality perspective or whatever the situation may be. We need to be better positioned and we need to take on only ideal projects that fit into that positioning. And, you know, to be honest with you, some of that feedback comes from the most junior employees and it floors me every time, but it's been pretty consistent over the last five years. And that's really interesting because, I mean, it makes when I hear from you, I'm like, well, that makes perfect sense because as a team member, I might have to spend 30 or 35 or maybe 50 or 60 hours in a week on a dedicated project or account. Right. And right. if that's a less than ideal and I'm having to kind of eat the, the crap sandwich, so to speak, and, you know, for the company, right, take one for the team and work with a non-ideal yeah. client, like that's the problem I'm dealing with for 50 hours a week. Whereas like the foosball table, or the Red Bull in the fridge, while it's a nice amenity, might not be the main thing. But I think as owners, it's really easy to take the team out for a, to a football game. It's really hard to go, you know, to turn down a $50,000 project that, that you know is going to cover payroll for the next, you know, right. the next month or whatever. Right, right. But that's the whole idea is like gathering that feedback. If you don't know it, if you don't know mm. that this is the thing that's on the minds of your people, how can you make them feel like that they are important, that they are valued? You know, um, I do them anonymized. So no, the leadership team never knows who says exactly what. They don't get copies of anything, um, nothing like that. But as, a, as an overall summary, I make sure that the leadership team makes sure that they hear um, what what is on the minds of all of their people, and then they, you know, we together we come up with recommendations and things that address some of the issues. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I've been floored so many times by some of the uh, the feedback that comes back from the employees. So, as as a way to develop myself as a leader, self awareness is important. I heard also self care, and those are probably very much related. And I love this whole thing of like paying my dues. I, I heard this from an agency owner the other day. They said, I should be able to do everything in my business and I'm not going to hire somebody to do something that I can't, that I personally can't do. So I need to take this on first. And I, you know, and I could, and I heard them saying that and I'm like, all I wanted to do is like, give them like a big bear hug and just be like, no, it, it, it's not true. But, but yeah. at the same time, I, I can remember myself even thinking that that's necessary, that I have to understand everything in my business and which I'm sure is is something that's driven from ego. That is like, I must control this. I must know everything that's going on. And yeah. I feel like that's very much on the opposite side of the freedom that so many of us are really pursuing is trying to, to actually be free of that, that feeling. Right. Yeah. I think you bring up a good point. I think a, a lot more, and this goes back to the self-awareness part, a lot more of the things that we do and say and desire come from ego. And that's where, like, if you can actually see what's being driven by ego and separate that out from, like, is this really the for the greater good of the agency and for, you know, our greater mission um, and vision, um, that's that's really important. But I, and I understand what the person that you're talking about said about, you know, I need to be able to do it. The only context in which I agree with that is I need to be able to speak about it intel intelligently enough to the point where if I'm the person who is like the main closer for the agency, I need to be able to talk the talk. 
right? I don't need to know how to make a watch, but I have to be able to explain time. So, you know, there's, um, I think that there's merit in understanding what your people do, but by no means was I ever, would I ever have tried to be like a server administrator, you know, Mm. that, no, I mean, first of all, not interested in it. And there are people smarter than me that I hired to do those, those jobs at my company, but I needed to understand at a basic level, what costs are involved? How does these different things talk to one another? Why do we need this? Why are we offering this? What is the value to the client? Because that makes me better from a business development standpoint. So that's the only context in which I agree with that. Hey, what's up agency owners? As someone that's built hundreds of websites for clients over the last 20 years, I know how important it is to have a content management system that helps me launch sites fast so I can focus on getting my clients results and building a successful and profitable agency. If you're looking for a new CMS, I'd like to introduce you to a new platform called Zephyr, a content management system built for power users and agencies. Build websites faster, make clients happier. Find out more info at ZephyrCMS.com and get one free site for life and a free theme setup valued at $500. That's ZephyrCMS.com. Now let's get back to our interview. I think there's, and I love that, having to understand something versus doing it. I almost feel like sometimes when you're able to do something, that you you become your own worst enemy. I mean, a lot of us in the space, I mean, I kind of started off more on the design side, then I got more heavily into development. Um, I was kind of mixed between those two things, but for as long as I could actually get in there and actually do stuff myself, I, I was just like my own worst enemy. It was yeah, like, yeah. you know, oh, no, I was like, you know, I'll, I'll get in there and I'll make it happen, right? Versus <laughs> defaulting to delegation or, or something yeah. like that. How can... As, as agency owners, a lot of them are transitioning from practitioner into leader or manager. How can they keep themselves in check so they're, they're not falling back into bad habits in, in doing the work? And also, at a managerial level, that turns into micromanagement. So how can they yeah. avoid getting in, in, involved with people's work to the point where they start to disenfranchise them? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, my hack for this is to assign yourself an internal hourly rate. It's not one that you have to share with anyone, but like for your time, your expertise, all of the responsibility on your shoulders, everything, the loans that you have, the, the everything related to this company, your blood, sweat, and tears, that's got to be worth something, right? Like, yes, it's priceless. Okay. But let's actually assign a number. Let's call it for argument's sake, $300 an hour. Okay. So as the leader of the company, if you are in a meeting or you're doing something, that should be, you know, again, internally, not to the client, but internally, you're billing that at 300 an hour. If you are doing a task that someone else can do for $30 an hour, would you be willing to pay 10 times that amount for you to do it yourself? That's my kind of hack for a lot of people who say, but I can just do it and I can do it faster and I can, right? Well, faster doesn't actually matter. Because what you're spending that time doing, whether it's updating your blog as the agency owner or whatever you're getting involved in, your time is always better spent on things like business development, culture building, things along those lines. Um, If you're a small agency owner, it's never spent on tactical things. It's always visionary, never tactical. That's, I think, just the rule of thumb. How does somebody that's running, because I mean, that I think makes a lot of sense. It's easy for people that are running like a 10 or 15 person shop. 
to, you know, maybe they have a VA or they have an admin or they have a full-time dev, a full-time designer. Right? They have kind of a full stack team for what their agency is producing. But I do know a lot of people at every business stage really struggle with this, but especially in the small, like when it's like two or three people or maybe one person, we can tell you like at a high level, like conceptually your time is worth $300 an hour. But what if they're just like, what if they just don't have the, the cash flow or the bandwidth to be able to bring somebody on? How, do, how does somebody say, okay, I know that I shouldn't be doing this work, but right now I still have to kind of do it to make, to pay the bills. Well, not being able to hire someone to do it, I think is a misnomer. I mean, there are plenty of people who, you know, you could outsource um, through Upwork, you could use a VA. You, there's so many different options now, especially now that work can be done from anywhere. So I think that that's a little bit of a cop-out to say, like, I can't afford to hire someone because the reality is like, you can, I mean, you could even have a paid intern who you train to do some of these things, depending upon the skill level, of course. Um, And I'm not saying that you use very junior talent, very green talent to do really important things. I'm not an advocate of that at all, but I just think that there are so many options out there now at all different price points. It just, I I think it's a cop-out to say, I have to do it because I can't afford anyone. I think that mentality and that mindset is one of scarcity. I Mm. think it's a scarcity mindset that really holds a lot of people back by just telling yourself like, I can't afford this. I don't make enough to have help. I have to do it all myself. Like think about what you're doing to your subconscious. You're keeping it in that repetition loop. If you ever want to break out of it, you have to do something different. So I I think it's about getting a little creative and looking a little bit outside of the box. Maybe it's not hiring a full-time person, but there's someone out there, especially right now, that is willing to do the work for, you know, fair pay. I think that's great. Takeaway to start to close the episode. I love this topic of leadership. I think it's underrepresented in our niche. A lot of people talk about about entrepreneurship, about maybe running an agency, delegating, doing higher value work, growing. But I think that this is a topic that we could definitely hear more about. I'm glad that you're making this such a focus of your platform and the work that you're doing. Are you ready, uh, Kelly, for our lightning round? I am ready for your lightning round. What is the best advice you've ever received? Best advice I ever received was from my dad, who uh, told me that if something stops bringing you joy, you stop doing it. uh, Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? I would say um, my ability to listen intently and deeply. Certainly helps when you have to go interview 90 plus team members (laughs) at, uh, at an agency. So congrats on that. Can you share an internet resource tool or app that you use on a regular basis that you think our listeners will find valuable? So I'm kind of an SEO geek. Uh, I do a lot of SEO work specifically for agencies uh, and NASA and Facebook, as you mentioned at the top of the show. I love Raven tools. I'm obsessed with Raven tools. I think it's like the best kept secret in the industry. And I'm not paid by them, by the way, just to be very clear. (laughs) And what book would you recommend and why? Um, I have two, actually, if that's cool. Um, Brene Brown. I'm a huge fan of Brene Brown. Her book, Dare to Lead, is one of my favorites. And uh, my newest favorite is Becoming a Conscious Leader by Gina Hayden. It's either Becoming a Conscious Leader or How to Become a Conscious Leader. Uh, Gina Hayden. I think uh, the reason why for both of them is the same answer. It's the fact that they will literally change the way that you lead in every aspect of your life, not just uh, on your team. 
Very cool. Well, we will link out to Raven Tools, as well as Brene Brown's Dare to Lead and Gina Hayden's Become a Conscious Leader or How to Become a Conscious Leader. We will resolve that in the show notes and make sure that you are... I will figure that out, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we'll get that. We'll get our team. We'll get that in the show notes for you uh, amazing listeners. So if you're out there on the road or on a run or like me on a bike ride and you want all those links in one place, check that out at yougurus.com forward slash podcast. Kelly, how can our audience find out more about you? Is there anything that you have that they can check out? Yeah, um, actually on my website, which is klcampbell.com, there is something called a connection deck or connection guide. I used to call it a pitch guide for agencies, but I'm now calling it a connection guide. And uh, that's a free download and that will help them figure out how to change the way that they think about developing new business for the new now. Awesome. We will make sure to link out to that connection guide, formerly the pitch deck, uh, <laughs> in our show notes as well, as well as those book recommendations and lots of other amazing nuggets, takeaways, uh, quotables from this episode. Check it out, yougurus.com slash podcast. We'll have Kelly's uh, picture up there at the top. You can click on that and then you'll find links to her website, social media, and all that good stuff. So Kelly, Awesome to have you on the program. Hopefully we'll have you back sometime soon. Great guest. Thank you for being on the program. Thanks, Brent. I really appreciate it. And uh, have a great 2021. And that's it for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming to you to help you grow your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, if you want that free ebook on how to scale to multiple six and seven figures, all you got to do is DM me on Facebook, the word gift at Brent Weaver, and I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in your business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. Brent Weaver.